0: And subscribe to relentless truth you can find us wherever you get your podcasts please go to our website johnwarrenmedia.com, for more information you can send along a an email to me using our contact form there or send an email to john at john so it is good to be with you again we have made our way through several of the attributes of god and in some upcoming episodes, I'm going to talk some more about additional attributes of God. Uh, answering the question, who is God, is very important. And I, I'll, I'll do a few others kind of scattered here and there over the next uh, few weeks. Next week, I'm going to be uh, talking about world events and government and that kind of thing. So today, I I want to... Just sort of summarize our uh, discussion of God's attributes, and I, I want to be uh, circumspect about how I I talk about this. I, I I might say a couple of things that are that are a little jolting to you. I might have already done that last week, even in uh, talking about the uh, power of God. But uh, today I I want to focus on really two sections of scripture, uh, Romans 5 and Ephesians 2. And the notion that, that I, I want to uh, discuss, I want to get across today, is really a beautiful one, and it's the tension in the Christian life. You probably feel it often, and it, to, today specifically I want to talk about this sort of tension, the tension between sin and suffering and God's wrath and evil in the world and God's other attributes. And when I say tension, I'm not implying that God experiences tension. I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting that there are some things in scripture that go together that are referenced together that we struggle thinking of together and, and the one that just jumps off the page at me is is this notion of suffering. I mentioned it just a minute ago. This this the purpose of suffering in our lives. We 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 get it wrong. We we I, not that anyone can you know say, well, I just welcome some more suffering. But I but I think Paul might have been there at that place, and because he says. In Romans 5, we're going to read it in a second. He rejoices. We rejoice in our suffering. And I, I you know, I, I'm not as spiritual as Paul. I'm not as spiritually mature as Paul. My walk as a Christ follower is not where his was when he wrote Romans and wrote that sentence. But I want to be. And I understand the the notion. Do you remember I I mentioned, uh, I, I think it was a few weeks ago, that the uh, Steve Lawson said that he, he described buying uh, it was on the, the the episode on on God's love as an attribute and Lawson said and I thought this was really good and you got to have that Texas accent to pull this off the way he did but he's talking about buying his wife his the their diamond her diamond I guess it was her engagement ring and he he wanted a one carat diamond it could have just been a gift I'm, I'm not quite sure but I think it was in his the engagement ring when they got married and He went to one of those fancier jewelers, he says, on in a, in a high rise in Dallas and, and on one of the upper floors and, and the, the person there showed him a diamond and he said, you know, it met all his specifications. I'm not sure what exactly he was looking for, but it met those specifications. But then he said, but it didn't wow me. And I thought that was really funny. Uh, He, he said it didn't wow me. And, and then the guy pulls out this velvet, this black velvet tray. And he puts the diamond on the tray, and and he said he looked up in the ceiling, and there were like a hundred lights up there, and it was as if that diamond captured all of those lights, and and it and he looked at the diamond again, and it was just on fire, and it was beautiful, and I kind of can relate to that, you know, I'm not I'm not really a, a diamond expert, and my my expertise was gained both when my wife and I got married, and then. I got her a larger ring a few years later, from a client of one of our banks, and it, it, you know it was it was it was quite a thing to learn about the cuts and the purity and the you've probably been through this and 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 the clarity and all those things and and the lack of color and and so I can just imagine what he's talking about there and he and and his point was he was he was talking about the attributes of God and he talked about God's wrath that day and and he, he was talking about the fact that it it illuminates all of God's other attributes and I, and I want to be careful with this notion, but I think in addition to the wrath of God, even our sin and our suffering and I realize these are different things, but the wrath of God, our sin and our suffering serve to reveal the beauty of God's attributes Now, you know, do, do we send more so that grace will abound more per Paul? No, no, we don't. Uh, That's not what I'm saying. But, but there's, there's beauty when, when you see the, the evil, let's say it that way, the darkness in this world, it is just a beautiful respite for me to read God's word. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't his power and his attribute, let's just say his essence, all of these things, that we talked about that come together in his divine simplicity, his character, his nature, who God is. Isn't that just beautiful and comforting? Uh, you know, I think of things like he's the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we establish the fact that, that the Godhead is unified. The Trinity is, 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 has unity and, and, and Jesus is fully God. And so isn't it, isn't it, just amazing that he is immutable, unchanged, yesterday, day, and forever. And so then you think of that in the context of his other attributes because his essence is one, one substance, and, and you think, wow, his power is the same throughout all eternity. If you look back to eternity past, go back as far as you can in your imagination and know that it goes further than that and continues forever in that direction, whatever that means, And, and, and and then look the other way to eternity future. And you know, that, that his immutability is being unchanged. His character, his essence, his nature continues the same, exactly the same. His, his power, his being all powerful is not just being a little more powerful than Satan or a little more powerful than the the next most powerful thing. It's, it's, he has all power and he has it through that entire eternal timeline and his wrath is unchanged and his and his grace is unchanged his mercy his omnipotence uh, which is his power his omniscience his omnibenevolence his being all loving all of those things his supremacy his uh, just, just on and on and on it goes um and and all uh, all of his essence is is fully his essence throughout that entire timeline that's just amazing to me. It's, 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 it's incredibly comforting to study his word. When we realize these basic truths, I hope my, my mission, my objective, my goal in this podcast, and, and particularly in this series on, on God's attributes that we've been in. And even today, as we, we kind of wrap this up with a, with a summation and again, we'll have some other episodes coming up that talk about some more of God's attributes. But, but as we, we sort of uh, uh, do a synthesis of all of this today, my, my goal is to prompt the skeptic to study God's word. And the, and the non-skeptic, the person who, if you're listening and you already understand this, and I know who many of you are, and I know you do understand this, is just to remind us of the beauty of who God is. That is a study that enables us to love it enables us to be gracious it enables us to be merciful it is because he first loved us he had all of his fullness of all of these attributes first so we've talked about some really amazing topics we've talked about this the grace and 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 mercy uh, God's God's goodwill toward the the miserable and afflicted, one writer said. I, I love that definition. Mercy, God's mercy is it's the word Elios, E-L-E-O-S is the English translation of the Greek word. And it's his kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and afflicted, the outward manifestation of pity. I just love that. This suffering, this this that we do, the the uh, there are several kinds of suffering. I realize that there's suffering for the sake of the gospel. There's suffering because of our sin. There's suffering, the wrath of God. But the juxtaposition of His other attributes against all of that—His promises, His beautiful promises to us—just astounds me. And I hope it does you. I just, I hope in this episode we can capture just a little bit of that. So let's just look at at these two chapters. Romans five I know we we've talked about a, a year ago or so, but the the beauty of this in the context of God's attributes just requires us to to look at it again. so here's what Paul says, and Paul does this three different places, this look back at least three in Romans, three significant chapter beginnings he he says, and I, and I realize the chapters are our addition. Uh, it, it was a it was a letter with just paragraphs and sentences when paul wrote it but but Romans 5 Romans 8 Romans 12 each start with therefore and and that you know because of this is is another way that could have been translated and and theologians uh, really believe that that when you see that you've got to look at the entire with Paul's writing style in particular you've got to look at the entire preceding part of the letter so so because of everything he said in Romans one through four which has to do with our sin, our immorality, his, his, uh, our, our moralism, our effort to be righteous enough in Chapter 2, then justification by faith, well, well, our condemnation at the first part of Chapter 3, and then justification by faith, and you, you know that section that talks about propitiation, um, and, and uh, then even uh, Chapter 4, Abraham being justified, David being justified by faith, not by works. And then he gets to chapter five and he says, therefore, because of this, since we have been justified by faith, that we're justified is, is been declared righteous, uh, right standing before God. So, so we have been justified, declared righteous. We're not, we're not infused with his righteousness, with the righteousness of Christ. It is a, it is a purging of our record and a, and a replacement of our record of sin and an exchange of Christ's righteousness on our record, in our record. And, and we talked about that when we studied Romans 3. So therefore, since we've been declared righteous or justified by faith, remember when we talked about God's wrath, we said it's really His justice, that He only administers the amount of wrath required by His justice. So since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been reconciled to God. And I don't know about you, but when I study the wrath of God, and then I read these words, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It, that, there, here's the juxtaposition, here's where it starts. This God who is pure, who, who must administer justice, who is righteous, and and who requires death for sin for one sin has reconciled us and 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 made peace with us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's grace and mercy demonstrated for us. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ is our peace with God. Is the basis for our peace with God by justification, by faith. And if you don't know what I mean when I say the gospel of this good news, and you've missed all these other episodes, send an email to me. I would love to have a conversation with you to describe the hope that lies within me. Then verse two, he says, through him, through Jesus Christ, we have also obtained access by faith. Into this grace, there it is, this loving kindness of God in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope or future expectation of the glory or majesty, my word majesty, good synonym for that word you translated glory of God. So we rejoice in the anticipation of the glory of God we look forward eschatologically to God's glory and our future glory we have obtained access by faith into this grace God's loving kindness then verse 3 says not only that and here's here's where it gets hard but we rejoice in our sufferings <laughs> again this, I, I get it. I I I have I bet you have something in your background that, that helps you understand this. Mine is stage three colon cancer. But but we rejoice in our sufferings that there there's a beauty I, I don't ever want to have cancer again, and I pray that you don't. And I uh I, I we have we have recently had a death in our family, uh my sister in law due to cancer. And and I, I hate that disease. We've lost pets to cancer. We've got friends who've died from cancer. We've got, you know, all kinds of people we know who've struggled with this, who've struggled with treatments, and and all the rest. But there was a beauty in my experience with cancer. Uh, now, now, there's also a kind of suffering for the gospel's sake that that we need to talk about and and we'll 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 talk more about this later, but but in short, there's a beauty in suffering in in being whatever the word is ghosted or cancelled or I guess those are different things, but I don't even understand them all, but there there's a beauty when our our careful, kind, gracious, loving stand for faith causes some suffering of some kind it it's it's beautiful go. Listen to the Russell Berger story on on my podcast. And and he, he was fired from CrossFit. And and wow, is his wife Catherine and his their entire family suffering with her connective tissue disease, which is terminal. Um, for years now they've been suffering with this. But but there there's we rejoice in our sufferings. Here here he goes. Knowing, this is verse three of Romans five, knowing that suffering produces endurance. This this Ideas, steadfastness, and endurance produces character. Because, no, and character rather produces hope. This this glorious expectation, and hope does not put us to shame. Sometimes that word shame is uh, shame is translated to disappoint or dishonor. Hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love, another of his attributes, another, another intrinsic part of his essence, I shouldn't even say part of his essence, it is his essence. Because God's love, agape, is, is loving the unlovely, his loving without reciprocity, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us we read this section that I just read on the episode where we talked about God's God's love as an attribute. And we said, wait a minute, this is the perfect tense because God's love has been poured into our hearts. This is, this is like a, like a Valley that has water poured in it. That becomes a, a, a permanent Lake. It, it stays in the state that it becomes. So God's love at one time event, his love is poured into our hearts through the holy spirit and and fills us and enables us to love we remember the verse we read be we love because he first loved us so that's the idea god's love has been poured into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us so so here we have several of god's attributes and, and Again, it's just unhelpful to talk about it like that because it's really is essence that we're talking about. Uh, coming together in this chapter that talks about suffering, but we rejoice in our suffering. So I'm not making up the juxtaposition, the, the illumination of God's beautiful character by our suffering or by his wrath or by our sin. Paul talks about it right here, the suffering at least. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. Paul talks elsewhere about this making us suffering, making us steadfast, firmly planted. There is a beauty in suffering. My family, extended family, is going through some things right now. Like I said, has gone through some over the summer and, and, and got some more things going on. Health issues and the like. But here's what Paul says: Because, so, so that this is clear. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. The adequacy of God's love, the eternality, the infinity, the, the, the. Uh, really, there's no better word than adequacy. The, the, the completeness, the, the entirety of God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given. To us, that 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 is the because that is the why we can rejoice in our sufferings. He is sweet, He is kind, He is loving and caring for us during our sufferings. I can name because I get to teach about hundred young people, a little over that this year in my classes. Every eleventh to twelfth graders every every year, every school year, every week, I get to be with these brilliant young people. Uh, because I because I get to do that I, I get to know their families and I can tell you stories of suffering I can tell you about Parents who've died. I can tell you about parents who've had sustained illnesses I can tell you about financial struggles. I can tell you about divorces. I can tell you about young people who've rebelled I can tell you about struggles with immorality. I can tell you about all manner of of suffering And I can also tell you that in those who turn to him, that God's love is sufficient, is entirely sufficient. Well, let's move on to verse six, because I think the the point of this chapter is just beautiful. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, here's where Paul really explains what God's love is like for us. So that this juxtaposition, you know, the the suffering sin, wrath of God, and, and the juxtaposition of that, those things to to his other attributes is really clear right here. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then verse seven says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die, but God, and, and verse eight starts, but God. When, when, when Paul says, but God, he does this in, in chapter three, he does this other places, pay attention because he's going to do one of these beautiful transitions. But God shows his love for us, his agape for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, the the ultimate form of love is God's love. The ultimate form of of human love is to to love the unlovely. We 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 don't do that, do we? You were attracted to your spouse and I was attracted to my spouse. Because of her amazing qualities. I I was not I did not love her because she's unlovely or while she is unlovely. No, you're you're as you're dating, and and even if you like had a high school sweetheart or even earlier than that, you you actually you actually did a comparison. I I hope you did if you're a Christian, you did a, is this the right person God has for me? Is this but 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 in any case, even if you were immature about it, you, 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 you at least compared attributes and said, "Wow, I, I, the, she, she or he has things that I, I, I can love," and then, and then you made a commitment to love. But God shows His love for us, Paul says, in that while we were still sinners, and and we can't imagine. So it's kind of cute to to say what I just did about the. The, 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 they have attributes and it's easier to love. And in the case of my wife, it, very easy to love because she has amazing attributes. Well, that, and, and just uh, she's smart and uh, personality and caring and loving and uh, the depth of her thinking, all, all of it. Um, and she's beautiful and all, all those things. But, but the, the, the interesting thing here is I'm not righteous. I'm, I'm not pure. I'm not morally pure. Like, like God is so for, for God to show his love for us in that while we were still sinners, this would be, and I, and I, I don't want to oversimplify this, but this is the closest we can get to imagining this is when we're at our best, God, God's loving us is like when we're at our best and someone else is at their worst and are violating our rules. Now we aren't sinless and we didn't make the law and we're not, we don't have God's character, but, but, but let's just say you've got some house rules at your house and, 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 a, and someone comes in and, and they're breaking all your rules. They're making a mess. They're rude. They're obnoxious. They're cursing in front of children. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're just, they're just vulgar that, that, that still doesn't paint this picture. But, but what you'd have to do in that situation is love them, care for their needs without regard for your own in the maximum way for it to be agape. That, that is similar. That is directionally similar, at least, to what God does for us. But he is sinless. So the affront, the, the, the impact of our sin to God is, is much, much greater than this imaginary person violating your house rules because your house rules might be arbitrary or well, the, you you didn't define morality and love and all these other things like God did. So you can just imagine but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. In other words, we can't clean ourselves up. We didn't clean ourselves up. We are still sinners and Christ died for us. We we can't meet God's righteous standard. There's so much truth in this passage. Since, therefore, we've now, he says in verse 9, been justified by his blood, justified meaning declared righteous by his blood, by the blood of Christ, not by our efforts, by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Well, there is the juxtaposition. My goodness, if you can't see that, we've got to see this. We've been saved by him, by Christ Jesus, by Jesus Christ, from the wrath of God. Therefore, being justified by his blood, Jesus Christ's blood, we have been saved from the wrath of God. This is not an appeasement like we think of the word appeasement. This is, this is a, a, a legal satisfaction of his wrath that we access by faith. We have been saved by him from the wrath of God. A study of the wrath of God makes us tremble. God is just. There were times where I could manipulate my parents as a kid. I bet you did that too. And you know, you get off without getting punished too much. It was it was rare, but I pulled it off sometimes. There there were times where they didn't discover my sin, didn't discover my wrongdoing. I got away with it. I told them about some of those things as an adult. I bet you've done that too, but, but I think we all have, but, but they don't have omniscience. They don't know everything. They, I mean, the analogy breaks down, doesn't it? But God does this. God is completely just completely fully beautifully righteous eternally and infinitely these things. And we are justified by the blood of Christ. There's, there's not going to be an appellate court that reverses that decision. Think about that. Saved by Him from the wrath of God. We're saved by God from God, from His wrath. Huh? Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is, this is cause for celebration then verse 10 says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So that's exactly what happened. We received rec- reconciliation through Christ, not through you sucking it up and trying to be better, not through me trying to achieve more, but by the death of his son, the horrible death on a cross of his son, much more, much more. Now that we are reconciled, we have peace with God, we've been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. He is not in the grave. He, he arose. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's time to go celebrate. We rejoice in this, in God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. There's something curious in these next few verses. There, there are ten references to sin, or some form of that word, and death. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned, for sin, indeed, was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression, there's another form of the word, of Adam, who was the type of the one who, who was to come. Then in verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by that grace. Look at this juxtaposition. Paul's doing this for us, but the free gift is not like the trespass. There's our sin and grace contrasted beautifully. For if many died through one man's trespass, Adam, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ abounded for many. That's abounded a lot. That, that word it's, it's sufficiency is clear. It abounded. There's more than was necessary. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin for the judgment So God is still righteous. He's he's still exercising judicial justice here. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. So we were sentenced to death. We were condemned. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. That should bring us to tears. We were reconciled to God. We were justified. We were declared righteous through this free gift of Jesus Christ and that is all friends that is all we need to understand don't make it more complicated than it is but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification for if verse 17 because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man we were born sinners we know that we've established that many times on this podcast through many subjects much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, there it is again, that word grace, and the free gift of righteousness, right standing before God, reign in life through that one, through the one man, Jesus Christ. The grace and mercy of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And here's, here's kind of the, the end of the section. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. There's Paul's juxtaposition again. We don't even have to struggle with this. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass or sin. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Some translations say where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. The second abounded is a different word. It means superabounded. So think about that. You have not out sinned God's grace. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This grace is the merciful kindness of God. Some scholars say that which affords joy, peace, and delight. Grace also might reign through righteousness. God does not compromise his righteousness to extend grace to us because of the person of Jesus Christ. I said I would talk about Ephesians 2 as well and I just want to I just want to look at it briefly just just a couple things. I'm just going to look at the first part of the 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 chapter and this this doesn't follow Romans 5 obviously not not immediately anyway. And and so let's shift gears to this epistle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And here's what he says in chapter 2 and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were dead, not alive, dead in the trespasses and sins. Most of us don't struggle to believe this. Following the course of this world, we don't struggle to understand that, this world is a, is a sinful place, following the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And here's another one of those transitions. Paul says in verse four of chapter two of Ephesians, but God being rich in mercy, that word mercy is Elios, E-L-E-O-S is the English translation of the Greek word, kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and afflicted, the outward manifestation of pity. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, agape, even when, here Paul saying something very similar to what he said in Romans 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So then in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Boy, if we if we don't take away anything, just take away this, that Jesus Christ is God's grace to us. Verse 8 of chapter 2 of Ephesians says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. If you're struggling with being good enough, raise the white flag of surrender and surrender to him. He alone has been good enough conquering sin and death. Trust in him by faith. Verse 9 says, Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're saved by grace, not by works. But good works follow. Notice how we're able to love Because he first loved us. We're able to do good things, good works, because he first loved us and saved us. So grace and works do go together. But we don't work for grace. We access this grace by faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. By faith. This is just beautiful. Down in verse 13 it says... Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him. You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. I I really don't have anything to add to that. It's just beautiful. This juxtaposition of God's character, God's attributes. I, I hope this has been a blessing to you. It has just been a rich blessing to me. And as I said before, we'll be looking in the coming weeks at, at, uh, uh, next week, anyway, we'll be looking at some, some current issues and, uh, talking about government a little bit and some, some other things, but, uh, we'll, we'll come back to a couple more attributes of God, uh, before this calendar year is over. And, uh, I'm excited about that, but, but this, this beautiful truth, this juxtaposition of, suffering and sin and the wrath of god revealing god's real character his essence his attributes his nature is just beautiful he is of one substance and i hope these two sections romans 5 and ephesians 2 have been a blessing to you if if i have said something clumsily or or god has stirred your heart and you have a question you'd like to talk more about this i'd welcome your contact i can be reached at john at john warren or you can go to our website john and send along a comment on our contact form please like share review and subscribe to relentless truth i look forward to being with you again next time thanks for listening to relentless truth with john warren Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.